O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth will declare your praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and will be forever. Amen. Praise to you, O Christ, Lamb of our salvation. May be seated. We'll join in singing Psalm 143 in the front part of the hymnal. We will sing together in unison.
the history of the suffering and death of our Lord Jesus Christ according to a harmony of the Gospels, part four, Jesus' suffering before the secular authorities. Then the whole multitude of them arose and bound Jesus, led him from Caiaphas to the Praetorium, and it was early morning. Then Judas, who had betrayed him when he saw that he was condemned to death, felt remorse and bought, brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed innocent blood. And they said, what is that to us? You see to that. And he threw down the pieces of silver in the temple, departed and went and hanged himself, and he burst open in the middle and all his entrails gushed out. And the chief priests took the silver pieces and said, it is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. And they took counsel and bought with them the potter's field to bury strangers in. And it became known to all those dwelling in Jerusalem, so to this day that field is called in their own language Akeldama, that is, the field of blood. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by Jeremiah the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the value of him who was priced, whom they of the children of Israel priced, and gave them for the potter's field, as the Lord directed me. But the Jews did not go into the praetorium, lest they should be defiled, but that they might eat the Passover. Pilate then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered and said to him, If he were not an evildoer, we would not have delivered him up to you. Then Pilate said to them, You take him and judge him according to your law. Therefore the Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death, that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. And the chief priests and elders began to accuse him vehemently, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar, saying that he himself is Christ, a king. Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and asked him, saying, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus stood before him and answered, Are you speaking for yourself or did others tell you this about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then my servants would fight so that I would, should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born and for this cause I came into the world that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews and said to them, I find no fault in him at all. And the chief priests and elders accused him of many things, but he answered nothing. And Pilate asked him again, saying, Do you answer nothing? See how many things they testify against you. Do you not hear? But Jesus still answered nothing, so that Pilate marveled. But the more but they were the more fierce, saying, He stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. When Pilate heard of Galilee, he asked if the man were a Galilean. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was in Jerusalem at that time. And when Herod saw Jesus, he was exceedingly glad, for he had desired for a long time to see him because he had heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle done by him. And he questioned him with many words, but he answered him nothing. And the chief priests and scribes stood and vehemently accused him, and Herod, with his men of war, treated him with contempt and mocked him, arrayed him in a gorgeous robe, and sent him back to Pilate. And the same day Pilate and Herod became mutual friends, for before they had been at enmity between themselves. 
And Pilate, when he had called together the chief priests, the rulers, and the people, said to them, You have brought this man to me as one who misleads the people. And indeed, having examined him in your presence, I have found no fault in this man concerning those things of which you accuse him. No, nor did Herod. For I sent him back to you, and indeed, nothing worthy of death has been done by him. I will therefore chastise him and release him. Now at the feast, the governor was accustomed to releasing to the multitude one prisoner whom they wished. And there was at that time a notorious prisoner named Barabbas, who had been thrown into prison with his fellow insurrectionists, who had committed murder in the insurrection made in the city. And the multitude, crying aloud, began to ask him to do just as he had always done for them. And when they gathered together, Pilate answered, You have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Whom do you want me to release to you? Barabbas or Jesus, the king of the Jews, who is called Christ? For he knew that the chief priests had delivered him because of envy. While he was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that just man, for I have suffered many things today in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and the elders stirred up the people and persuaded them that they should ask for Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said to them, Which of the two do you want me to release to you? The whole crowd cried out, saying, Away with this man and release to us Barabbas. Pilate, therefore wishing to release Jesus, spoke again to them, What then shall I do with Jesus, who is called Christ? They all said to him, Crucify him, crucify him. And he said to them a third time, Why, what evil has he done? I have found no reason for death in him. I will therefore chastise him and let him go. And they cried out more exceedingly, Crucify him. And they were insistent, demanding with loud voices that he be crucified. And the voices of these men and of the chief priests prevailed. And Pilate took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole band of soldiers around him. And they stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And when they had twisted a crown out of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they bowed the knee before him and mocked him and began to salute him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they struck him in the face and spat on him and took the reed and struck him on the head. And bowing the knee, they worshipped him. Pilate then went out again and said to them, Lord, look, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no fault in him. Then Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, And Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Therefore, when the chief priests and officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, You take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and by our law he ought to die, because he made himself the Son of God. Therefore, when Pilate heard that saying, He was the more afraid and went again into the praetorium and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. Then Pilate said to him, Are you not speaking to me? Do you not know that I have the power to crucify you and power to release you? Jesus answered, You could have no power at all against me unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, saying, If you let this man go, you are not Caesar's friend. Whoever makes himself a king speaks against Caesar. When Pilate therefore heard that saying, he brought Jesus out and sat down in the judgment seat in the place that is called the pavement, but in Hebrew, Gabbatha. It was the the preparation day of the Passover and about the sixth hour. And he said to the Jews, Behold your king. But they cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. When Pilate saw that he could not prevail at all, but rather that a tumult was rising, he gave sentence that it should be as they requested. 
And he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. You see to it. And all the people answered and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then he released to them Barabbas, whom they requested, who had been thrown in prison for insurrection and murder. But he delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to their will to be crucified. O Lord, have mercy on us. Thanks be to God. Deliver me, O Lord my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who rise against me. In you, O Lord, do I put my trust. Leave me not, O Lord my God. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who rise against me. Deliver me, O Lord my God, for you are the God of my salvation. Rescue me from my enemies. Protect me from those who rise against me.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At the end of our Gospel on Sunday, after Jesus miraculously fed 5,000 people, we hear that they wanted to make him king by force, so Jesus withdrew again by a, to a mountain by himself. But he is a king, isn't he? Even from the very beginning, that's why after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, wise men came from the east, came to find the newborn king of the Jews. And when they found him, they knelt down, opened their treasuries, and gave them gifts fitting for a king. But now, when he stands before Pilate, arrested, indicted on the charge that he claims to be Christ, a king, are you the king, a king, Pilate asks. Yes, Jesus says, but not what you think. Pilate trying to release him, finding no charge in, no guilty charge in him, tries to release him, says to the Jews, what, shall I crucify your king? They say, we have no king but Caesar. Finally, the written charge against him that is written in three languages above his head on the cross reads, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. And even there on the cross, one of the thieves crucified with him pleads with Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus is a king. Yet it seems like everyone has a different idea of what this means for Jesus to be king. The wise men, the crowds who ate bread miraculously provided, the disciples, the Jews, Pilate, Herod, the soldiers, the thief. And you, you too, I think. Jesus says, I am a king. And in fact, for this reason I was born, he says. The wise men were right. But my kingdom is not of this world. What does that mean? The kings of this world gain and maintain their kingdom by power and might and force. They achieve it and they keep it by the sword, by armies. They kill and they execute and they can tolerate no rivals to their throne. That's why it was that Herod the Great slaughtered the baby boys in Bethlehem to eliminate any possible rival to his throne just as Herod had already executed members of his own family for the same purpose. It's also why the crowd yelled out and Pilate paid attention when they said, we have no king but Caesar. Anyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. The kings of this world operate by power and force, or at the very least, the threat of force or the appearance of power, which is deception. Appeasing a crowd or an enemy is to make them think that you're giving in to them. So Pilate goes ahead and punishes an innocent man to maintain his control. Kings rule by power, by the appearance of power, and simply by appearance. 
They live in lavish comfort. They must always appear powerful and successful. They must appear to be winning, even if they are not. Otherwise, they are mocked and called losers. So just as Pilate said to the Jews about Jesus, so the scripture says to us about him too, Behold, your king. Take a look. Far be it from us to say as the Jews did, not my king. We have no king but Caesar. But I think it's probably not quite so far from us that we might long to have a king who flexes his might a little more. The kings of the world extend their kingdom by force, or at least the threat of force. They claim it is in your best interest to comply. They say we only want what's best for you, and we know what's best for you, so either force or compel you to comply. Our King Jesus does want and does know what's best for you and everyone. And so we think everyone should believe in him and be subject to him. And we wonder why doesn't Jesus just make them? Why doesn't he just force them? It would be better for them. It would also be more compelling for people to follow King Jesus if being among his subjects were more appealing and attractive. But instead, those who follow him, his subjects, they look like they suffer. They carry crosses. They look like losers like him. Maybe it would be better if we could just make his kingdom, the church, seem more appealing, more successful. Maybe we should make some campaign promises about how everyone's life would just be better if, if you would vote for, that is, believe in Jesus, at least just to get them in the door. It would be better for them anyway. We might wish for a more appealing more powerful King Jesus. One that is a little bit more like the kings of the world. Sometimes, we might even actually listen more carefully, obey more carefully the kings and Caesars of this world than Jesus. If only because they make promises Jesus doesn't make. They offer to us things that Jesus hasn't offered. And they claim to have our best interest in mind too. Is it possible? Is it possible for the kings of this world to influence your behavior? Oh, they might do that with force or the threat of force. They might simply do that with, I don't know, tax incentives or free government services. If only you order your life, your family, your work, and your business in such and such a way. Of course, it's not just governments that provide such pressure, but pressure from peers or society or marketers. But you do it. You do what they want and order your life according to their plan. While ordering your life according to, say, the Ten Commandments has no such financial incentives and it may in fact pose a hardship on your pocketbook and crimp your lifestyle and your standard of living. And if that is the case, that this one has more power and sway with you. Could that simply be just another way of saying, in truth, 
we too have no king but Caesar. Next week, we will hear of the thief on the cross who says to Jesus, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom, who after initially mocking Jesus like the others, turns, repents. And Jesus, of course, gives him the promise of paradise. If it turns out that we also have mocked Jesus by preferring the way of kings and the forces of this world to his word and to his cross, may we also look to him and repent. But also note, note that this thief was still a little misguided. He asked Jesus, remember me, when you come into your kingdom, and his idea is, a believing idea, that Jesus will actually reign in glory in his kingdom. But his mistake is to not see that Jesus was reigning as king even on the cross, even in his suffering, and especially there. The soldiers mocked Jesus by clothing him in a purple robe, shoving into his skull a crown of thorns, bowing down and, as it says, worshiping him. Behold your king, your suffering king. It was, in fact, in his suffering and in his dying that Jesus reigns as king. It is by his dying that Jesus conquers sin and death. Jesus does not become king after this, but by this. And so it is that his kingdom does not come by force or by compulsion or by appealing to the masses. It comes by and only by truth. His word. Everyone on the side of truth hears my voice, Jesus said. Or as the catechism teaches, God's kingdom comes when our heavenly Father gives us his Holy Spirit so that by his grace we believe his holy word. It's possible even for us who do believe in him, who have repented and trust in him to be misguided, to think that someday Jesus will come into his real king, kingdom and then he'll be a real king like the kings of this world. So what does Jesus do for us? Who, like the thief on the cross, may believe in him, but are misguided. He suffered for us. He died for us. And he continues through his Holy Spirit to proclaim the truth to us. And he promises us like the thief, paradise. Behold your king. And it is in his voice, the voice of the king, in truth, that he reigns. And it is in his suffering and death that he conquers. Dear Christian, behold your king. May his suffering and death May his word of truth continue to lead you to repentance, to draw you to himself and to his love, that you may continually, regardless of how he looks, regardless of 
how different from the kings of the world, to bow before him and present your gifts like wise men, to trust his word and promise beyond any power or prosperity the world may offer, and commit yourself to him in hope even in the face of death. Behold your king. Amen. Please stand. We join to sing the song of Mary, My Soul Now Magnifies the Lord, as printed in your service folder.
The Lord be with you. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, your mercies are new every morning. And though we deserve only punishment, you receive us as your children and provide for all our needs of body and soul. Grant that we may heartily acknowledge your merciful goodness, give thanks for all your benefits, and serve you in willing obedience. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. O God, from whom come all holy desires, all good counsels, and all just works, give to us, your servants, that peace which the world cannot give, that our hearts may be set to obey your commandments, and also that we, being defended from the fear of our enemies, may live in peace and quietness. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.